Hey everyone, in this episode of History Unloaded with Ashley and Danny, we're going to talk about the most exciting thing on the planet, a cult type single action passive safety. I'm so excited. I, I think you're excited because like you just don't have to talk for most of the <laughs> Well, I'm excited podcast. because this is one that you like, well, not that I don't have to talk, but you know this super well because you've written about this a ton. Yeah. Um, um, I've been an expert witness on this very subject, and that's how I have come to get all my facts. So I, I'm going to lead off with a curveball. You say cult type single action. Do you refer to original cults as cult type single action, or are they just cult single actions? It depends on the context. So a cult type single action is a gun that emulates a original cold single action that doesn't have any additional passive or active safeties. And it has the four position hammer. So full down uh, safety notch, which is like quarter cock, half cock and full cock. Whereas like, I'm getting too far ahead of myself, but like where like Ruger's new model, when they put in the transfer bar only goes in two positions. So when you're referring to it, you're referring to something that one, not only looks like a cold single action, but also has uh, basically the same functionality. Got it. And uh, I don't know if I, I think for the most part, like in an article or in a testimony, uh, if I'm referring specifically to a cult, then I say cult single action. But if I am encompassing all of them, then I say cult type. Gotcha. So we should probably pause on that thought and like go back and introduce the topic and the historical reason that this is a topic. Oh, <laughs> we didn't do that. Not really. Okay, cool. So, I mean, what's the point? I mean, well, I don't know. Colts, you know, obviously the Colt single action, iconic gun of the American West, but not necessarily the safest firearm because it's perfectly you, safe when used correctly. When used correctly, yes, it is safe. But if you load six, because it's a six chamber cylinder, if you load six and you put the hammer down, the hammer rests on the fire on the primer. Or the firing pin hammer. It rests on the primer. The ha- for on a coal, it's the hammers on the firing pin because the hammer's integrated into the... Uh, or sorry, the firing pin's integrated to the hammer, whereas on the Ruger, there's just different. So the it's resting on the primer. So if it gets hit or dropped or whatever, it can detonate the primer and fire the cartridge and put around into your own kneecap. Um, also, I like that you... Uh, nope, I lost my train of thought. You said something that I thought was funny. Oh, whatever. If you, you hit it or drop it, I'm like, I don't know what the whatever is. <laughs> I don't know what the whatever is either. Maybe harking back to a a wait, ghost. I don't know. <laughs> a ghost. Oh, Actually, I don't even want to go there. Is the whatever what happened with Alec Baldwin? Oh man. But um, that's not because that was a modern reproduction. That was a modern uh, reproduction. That was not. That is not a cold type single action, but. Uh, so basically to give a little bit of background, I I thought of what the whatever is, but it might be too self-referential, but maybe the whatever is aliens in the movie Cowboys versus aliens. I actually thought aliens, but I said Alec Baldwin. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, please continue. (laughs) So the cold, the cold single action, sorry, just the original cold single action. It was developed, um, you know, but for military trials, by uh, two different people, but one's one of our personal favorites, Mr. William Mason, who spent a lot of time at Winchester. Real but, rad dude. Uh, 
I was literally hired by Winchester to make another cult looking single action to mess with his old employers. So yeah, I love that. I won't get into that today, but it was made with the military trials, but it also had a very popular run on the commercial market. And so early on in the life of the cult single action, you know, the original, the early Colts were actually five shots, uh, five shots, like had five chambers in the cylinder, but then they, they moved to having the six rounds, but like you said, if you load six rounds and the safety notch, it applies too. So if you hit the safety notch hard enough, it doesn't meet modern criteria under the gun control act of 1968. So it can go off as well. But, um, they started, there were reports of people shooting themselves by accident and all this stuff. And so that's when it became, they kind of colloquial understanding that we load five rounds and, you know, basically any company that was making them, uh, we can talk a little bit about that, but that was a post-World War II thing. They started saying really quickly in their parts, you know, instructions and parts manuals that you load five rounds, even though there's six rounds, you load five rounds. It was very clear um, once people kind of figured out that that was the way to do it. And so the proper way to do it, which I think you didn't actually say, which is that you not. said five rounds, but then five rounds and then the hammer down on a empty chamber. Right. And it's so the Colt on this one, you know, we're specifically talking about Colts, but it applies in some ways, I think, to a lot of period revolvers, like period single action revolvers all have like a similar problem, although not to the Colt is the most well-known. Um, but anyways, the Colt is made until the forties and this is taught throughout, like you said, this became sort of colloquial safety practice. And it's weird to me how much this has survived. Like I'm not going to name any names, but there's definitely a generation of shooters that are still around that will treat a hammer down on an empty chamber, probably in a way that would make some other shooters a little bit squeamish in terms of like muzzle discipline. Like I've definitely been around that at the <laughs> range. That is, that is fully accurate. Um, you know, and the, and the other thing too, you mentioned uh, single actions at the time. I mean, there was like one or two random like European guns that were single actions that had safeties, but they weren't set up the same as the cold single action. Um, and I think it's important to note because we're going to get into some of the changes that were made is that there were safeties on firearms like forever. I mean, a half cock right. theoretically on a flintlock. <laughs> My favorite old ones are the tank safeties on the tap lock pistols. Yeah. Like those old little Queen Elizabeth pistols. And they have like this bar that like locks the uh, frizzen in place. I thought, I always thought those were cool. Yeah. I mean, so like, we've talked about the dog lock, you know, all of these different things. So this is not a new concept. Um, and around the time that the cold single action was popular initially, or was made initially, there were, you know, things that we'll talk about, like a transfer bar, um, you know, things that you see in modern reproduction, cold single actions, you saw it back in the 19th century and the 20th century, but with very different types of firearms. So it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't something you could just translate over. So the concept was there, but you could not actually make that happen. And so I don't know, even today, people make regular cold single actions that, well, people, cold, cold makes cold single actions. They've never added in an, an additional safety. Yeah, so. that was my next question, because I don't know the generation super well, because I know they stopped at like 1940 right when the war was um, picking up um, actually one of the longer production runs for like, cause Winchester was done making 73s in like the twenties Colt made their 73 single action until the forties. And then they quit cause of the war. Uh, and then they, when they reintroduced what we now call the second generation after the war, even the known issue, they didn't, they didn't add any 
transfer bar or anything like that. And that's continues on to the current generation. Yeah. And I think part of it's, I mean, no, I mean, they were safe, they're safe firearms, but also like, who's thinking like, you know, it's just, right. it is, you know, people don't realize that the cultures change. And part of the big deal was that in the forties and fifties, you know, especially with televisions becoming popular in the home, Westerns were really, really popular. Like uh, at the time that the Ruger old models and the great Western cold tape single actions were coming out on the market, eight out of 10 shows on TV were Westerns. I might've just made that statistic up, but I think that's right. I think, I think that's accurate. We'll say it's accurate. Yeah. Like that I'm sure Abe Lincoln right. will back us up on it. Yeah. Um, um, so it, it was popular, but when something like that becomes popular, now you have a lot of people that may or may not have the background in firearms right. knowledge or the background in knowing the history. They just think it's cool. And so they go ahead and they get it, but they don't read the. Let's go out, start spinning their revolvers, trying to fan their hammers and, and put around. To be clear, go. the Ruger old model instruction manuals very clearly, like when they rebooted it. So they knew and right. they let people know. It's not like people were just flapping out in the wind. If you read your manual, which to be perfectly honest, I don't think I've ever read a gun parts. I don't, I can't manual. say that I have either. Maybe like when I'm trying to take something apart, if I can't figure it out yeah. on my own, I think maybe I do that. But yeah, so maybe like, I've read, I mean, that doesn't make it okay though. <laughs> I've read through more, I've read through far more manuals at work for like old guns, like trying to figure out what's going on with them. than I have my own personal firearms of like, I need to be like, I don't know. This is, I feel like I'm terrible for admitting this, but it's like, I just kind of assume I know what I'm doing with the modern ones. <laughs> Yeah, which, you know, we're, we're a disclaimer. We're not recommending that you do not read the instruction manuals because they clearly state how to use your firearm safely. And, you know, and if you don't follow the manual and you inadvertently shoot yourself, you will lose that lawsuit. So I feel like we've gotten, we've jumped a bunch ahead in time and I'm kind of interested in what you mentioned because we've mentioned Great Western and like the Ruger old model and like the wave of obviously guns coming out from TV, but there's like Great Western, there's Ruger. Aren't there a couple other like companies that start in the fifties that are like the spur for Colt to bring theirs back? Cause there's a bunch of like the German ones and the early Italian ones, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly the timeline on that. I know that Great Western and Ruger were like the big American companies, but mm -hmm. like, I, I don't know the years on this, but I know Navy Arms and like Uberti, like those companies, because like to capitalize on the popularity of the Western, they were making Western firearms. I just don't know if that was at the same time before or after. Um, it had to have been before because uh, of this 1968 date that we'll talk right. about. So they were already like selling them and importing them right. into the United States. But I don't know if like, I don't know which came first. I know that Ruger and Great Western predated when I love that Colt like didn't jump on its own bandwagon. Like I right. love that somebody else had to be like, this is popular. And then Colt was like, oh shit. Yeah. Two years later, like, well, what's up? Like, we're gonna make a Colt single action too. Like, right, right. We're and a I think it's slow to the we're a little slow to the start. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> that first wave of like the 50s guns, we'll call them the 50s and early 60s guns. Those are all virtually like none of those incorporated a transfer bar. It was all Colt types. It was all, uh, what? I'm sorry. It was, it was all Colt types. Like none of those in, in like introduced any kind of. No. Extra. It was um, all copying the original. In fact, yeah, it was all. Well, there were some changes um, structurally to make them safer. So like the Rugers, um, they did something with the coil springs. Um, they moved the firing pin 
off the hammer face. So they give her a, a cut. They, they reinforce certain areas. So there were some things, but they weren't, you know, they weren't changing the function of the firearm. Right. It was just making it a little bit safer. Now that we had better technology, better materials, that kind of thing. But yeah, no, the cold type specifically, they did not incorporate anything. And to be honest, and I maybe, I mean, every time you say anything absolute, like somebody will be right. like, this is a really obscure thing, but nobody even cared to change it until they were forced to, well, the Europeans were forced to in 1968. Um, uh, you know, it was just something that wasn't like nobody thought about doing it. Um, but I guess we, sh- we can talk about it. Um, the Gun Control Act of 1968 is what changed the landscape on, you know, getting rid of what was what I classify as a cold type single action into the new models, which are not not a part of that because, as I said, the, the two positioning of the hammer. But um, in 1968, under the Gun Control Act, uh, there were you know a lot of import restrictions that were going on, and one of them was a drop test for um, firearms, uh, handguns. And so it, I think it was 36 inches parallel. If you could drop the firearm and it went off, obviously you had an issue. So at that time, no single action revolver could do that, U.S. and overseas. They all would go off. So Europe was forced to have to make a safety to change, you know, the way that the single action worked. And they did a lot of weird stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to, I don't, I didn't get too deep in that in any of my testimonies because it's not really relevant, but I know that we, Othias is hopefully working on something pretty cool where we'll know more about that, but there are some weird ones that I've got in my safe. Um, but the United States passes the Gun Control Act and Bill Ruger is concerned that they could do that in the United States. So it never actually, you know, became a requirement, uh, hence how Colt still has their single action right. the way that it was. Um, but it, so it never became a requirement, but Ruger thought it could. So he started doing experiments and other people may have been too, but Ruger's the one that actually you know, was selling it um, kind of en masse. And he tried a lot of different things. So um, hammer blocks, and uh, rebounding hammers were things that you saw with double action revolvers in the 19th century. But what happened was, oh, and a hammer block is the opposite of a transfer bar. So when your fight, when your hammer is resting, um, the the block is in between either the hammer slash firing pin, or you know, it, it changes depending on where the firing pin is. But basically, the the block is in there. So but until you go and you know cock your gun, and then the block goes down so that it can hit directly on the primer of the cartridge. Um, and then rebounding hammer was another way for that. A lot of times you saw hammer blocks and rebounding hammers together. So that when the gun fired, the hammer rebounded um, and sat back a little bit. Um, and the problem with that, with the single action was the double, Smith & Wesson, I think was some of the double action companies, um, Ivor Johnson had a, tran- or a transfer bar, but what happened with the rebounding hammer and the hammer block was that the cold type single action operated off the cylinder, like a cylinder lock. So, um, you know, the other guns didn't. So <laughs> when the hammer rebounded on a Ruger, um, old model, you know, revolver, it basically unlocked the cylinder <laughs> and it was like, and all this smoke would come out. So it just yeah. wasn't possible. And he did, uh, Ruger did take out patents for the rebounding hammer, even though it wasn't something that he ended up doing. Yeah. And the sidebar is like the guns, that, the earlier guns that did incorporate some of these features that then they advertised again, going into like changing definitions of like what's considered safe with firearms. Like the old Ivor Johnson ads are a classic example where it's just like gun laying pointed at a you know, like gun laying on a bed while a kid's asleep in the bed. Like this she gun- asleep, she's pointed at her face. Right. Like 
this gun Papa is, says it won't hurt me. That's it's like it was like accidental discharge impossible. You know, it was like some crazy thing that like this gun is basically impervious to anything, which is not actually, you know, true because um, you can still pull the trigger and the gun can go off. But it's just a, it's like a changing. There are safeties to prevent this whole idea of like a drop, you know, uh, causing the gun to fire, but not what we would consider safe now. Yeah. Well, and so what Ruger ended up doing was, um, which a lot of people, if you know Ruger, um, you know, create he discontinued the old models and then created a transfer bar system. So the transfer bar is the opposite of a hammer block, meaning that you know it transfers energy to fire the to fire the gun. Um, but it's also three patents. I'm trying to look and see if I can find the patent numbers, but I don't think I'm. While gonna... you're looking for that, I would just like to make the observer observation that when you said a lot of you know Ruger, it. It, I think you meant the company, but it really sounded like a lot of people were just casually friends with Bill and like, that's Clearly. the vibe. I just, that's the vibe you got. a lot of guys were, you know, a lot of you are just friends with him. So it makes sense. Um, okay. So Ruger applied for and was granted two patents on the new model single action revolver, one relating to the transfer bar patent number three, seven, 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 three, eight, four on December, just in December, 1973. And then the other was the loading gate interlock. So that was like the really important part um, of that. And that was 3768190 um, in October, 1973. I thought there was a third one. By the way, I'm not reading something that's just like on Wikipedia. I'm actually reading an article I wrote. So I'm plagiarizing myself. Currently. I think that's allowable. I will allow it. Actually, it's not. Um, in terms of like school standards, that's not allowed. You can't plagiarize yourself. I don't think you can. Well, I guess, yeah, because then you, the idea being that you'd just be like submitting like copy and pastes. Yeah. And do I mean, if you think about it, if you have a contract, um, a writer agreement with a magazine, theoretically, they own what you wrote. Like you don't yeah. own it. So, um, yeah. Author rights are weird. It's very, very true. But I digress. So he develops, he, he discontinues the old model. He creates a new model. Um, and a lot of gun people still to this day refuse to use the new model because it ain't the real thing. That was an excellent accent. Excellent playing. Thank you. Um, but what's interesting of what happens is so like Ruger goes ahead and does this. He doesn't have to. Um, and it's it's a big step forward unless you're an old gun guy and in the safety of the technology. I mean, the, like I said, the gun, the gun's fine. He didn't have to do this. He would have been fine. But what's interesting is after they discontinue the old model, that's when the first lawsuit happens. <laughs> So it's but, not like there was a lawsuit right. beforehand where somebody right. was like, I feel like they saw that he like made a change to it and someone like shot themselves and like was like, this is an opportunity. Right. Yeah. We've clearly made the changes necessary. And yeah. And it's really unusual. I, you know, when we think about like firearms history, it's almost and th- I think this is true for almost any industry. Right. It's not just a firearms thing, but it's all, it's rarely proactive changes like this. It's almost a reactive change. Like it would make sense that it would be, well, we're making the old model and then somebody sued us over it. And now we're going to make the change for him to make it and then get sued. Is, then someone got an old model. Like right. <laughs> That's really, that's an odd order of events to me. And he did. Um, I think they lost that first case, but they've pretty much won everyone since that. Um, you know, and, and the reason like the rationales that go on in these, you know, kind of lawsuits are the one side says that the firearm is, you know, inherently not safe. 
uh, you know, they are marketed as a six shooter, you know, mm-hmm. this idea of, you know, what's in the public, not like common knowledge, um, and that they Ruger changed the gun. So clearly he knew there was a problem. The argument on the other side is that um, the so oh sorry. And on that side, it's that the gun is, was defective. There was something wrong with the gun. Um, and the other side of it is that the gun's not defective. It works. Um, you just have to use it properly. Um, and Ruger never issued a recall because that is, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like SIG's drop situation. Cold type semi-auto. <laughs> yeah. It's not like SIG's, you know, drop hammer, which had an issue and they had right. to fix it, you know, and they had to like, and I think they recalled those, um, you know, Ru- there was nothing wrong with the gun. And so it's specifically not a recall um, because it's not a defect. Um, and that's kind of where the argument comes in is, is it a defect or is it not a defect? It depends on what attorneys, you know, how good the arguments right. the attorneys are. But if you buy an old model, like on the secondhand market, you can, um, Ruger offers a free conversion. Like they, you can send your gun in and they will put a transfer bar in it. They will convert the gun for free. And they also have the parts manual on the website. So like, you can't like say you got it secondhand and didn't have a parts manual when you, I don't know, maybe like if you go buy a gun, you like do a little bit of research on what it was you purchased. It's also really interesting to me, like a ton of people call us looking for old part, like old manuals, which we don't really have a ton of in the collection. And often the old manuals didn't necessarily come directly with the gun. It was like they printed, they printed the instructions for all the guns in their catalog. So like the old catalogs are also the manuals. And so a lot of people assume that guns have just always come with, like it's because they all do today. We just sort of assume that was always the case. And that's really like a second half of the 20th century thing. Yeah, it's the transition of um, a new era of what is what's called risk culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a book about that somewhere that one of my professors in grad school wrote. But basically, the like shift in in the litigious age of like right. you know putting signs on things that were obvious, you know, were considered like obvious before and everything, and then it's just kind of spiraled out of control. But I don't. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's it so now i mean ruger are they the only ones doing it or i guess the uberti since they're imported they have to lots of oh doing safeties yeah, yeah like who's doing is it only... the, everything that's imported into the united states has to have a safety okay. um i think they do a lot of transfer bars although I, I could be wrong um i saw one in action in italy so i should know but they all kind of do slightly different things um and then in the u.s the third generation colts is it like still a third generation if colt doesn't really exist anymore as colt i think they're still making them they're just under different ownership it's yeah. sort of who owns colt now cz who cz oh okay. i think they're az and i'm like no it's a state danny <laughs> there's this new company out <laughs> haven't heard of them um uh, no i think they're cz now and i th- as i understand I it, they're right. basically just continuing colt's production yeah. line like they haven't announced like huge changes like there's no colt cz 75s yeah no this that'd be cool but does cole now i'm like my brain's kind of like exploding with the cz thing i just would be curious to know if they're at all aware of all of this i'm sure they must be i mean i feel like the folks at cz would be up to speed somewhat on the rule are there any lawyers probably are (laughs) right and now there's so many different like smaller companies that do like custom work and one-offs there have to be Colt and Ruger, the obvious ones, but there's got to be somebody else around making like something similar to a single action. I would think, am I just not thinking of somebody really obvious? 
Besides, we're probably like, we're not thinking of somebody really obvious, but I don't know. I mean, it's just there. I'm sure there's lots of like one-off people too. Yeah. I mean, it's not a cold type single action, but like line ball modifies the right. Rangers, you know, right. and, and makes them into the 500s and stuff. Um, but I don't know. But yeah, so, I think it's weird that Colt never changed it. Right. Um, just... and I understand. I haven't seen it, but I think that they say that this is meant as a historical reproduction and not to be fired. I think that's like. Might be a so has Colt caught any lawsuits from this or just Ruger? Um, I'm assuming Colt has been sued over this because it would be really odd if they have like, not Ruger, hired me. So if Ruger has caught the only lawsuits from this because they they're the ones that tried to make something like right. Yeah, they're the ones that tried to make it better, and like and Colt was just like mm, phone in it. And how many like how many lawsuits are we talking? So after they introduced the new model, like. How many lawsuits in the last, you know, five decades? Um, give me one second. Let me search it because um, I think I put it in my article. Um, okay, so uh, Ruger has been the subject has been subject to hundreds of liability lawsuits um, okay. since the 1970s. As a result, Ruger embarked on a firearm safety marketing campaign. To date, lawsuits have arisen. For why did I write this? From six one hundredth of one percent of the approximately one point five million old model revolver revolvers manufactured by Ruger, about one lawsuit for every seventeen hundred revolvers they made. Interesting. That's a weird way to quantify it, but I kind of like it. I feel like I took that like that. Yeah, it's got a footnote, so I took that weird math statistic from a from a source. I'm like I don't. I'm like I don't even know what that means. So like but I didn't know if we were talking about that like, statistic. I didn't know if we were talking about like dozens or what hundreds. it sounds like is more like hundreds, but that's really, I feel like, I feel like I haven't heard about it as much, nearly as much, at least for Colt. No. And that's well, really weird to me that they're just Ruger like, gets all that. I don't know. Maybe Colt's like quiet about it. Or maybe I only know about the Ruger lawsuits because I've been an expert for Ruger. Um, but you know, it, it's also dissipating significantly for Ruger at least because it's becoming less and less common for someone to acquire an old model, you know? So, and if somebody's seeking out an old model, then they know right. how to function with it. And so they do, they're very few and far between now, just because it's just some random dude, you know, that buys a gun at a pawn shop or, you know, a pawn shop. I mean, like a second, I was gonna say like a secondhand store, like a thrift store, <laughs> they thrift shop it. Um, so like now if somebody's seeking it out, they're seeking it out on purpose. Right. Um, but yeah, I I don't know if Colt's been and has anybody caught a lawsuit for their percussion, like the older percussion guns that also didn't have these because like Colt's made the second gen percussions and Ruger's made percussion revolvers. Were all the percussion revolvers after the new model changes, or is that a whole different topic? So I think I wrote in one of my articles, like this weird brain exercise where I was like, if Ruger can be held accountable for technology that didn't exist on a certain firearm until they invented that technology. So if they can be held liable for a gun that was, you know, historically didn't have any, like didn't. Right function that way then couldn't we theoretically like with the percussion thing or any of them i mean can you hold a lawsuit for like 
you know, buying and right, acquiring right. a gun and having a negligent discharge because it didn't have like, well, this didn't have, you know, an active safety on it. Well, they didn't exist, you know? So I don't know. Like, I mean, are we setting a weird precedent? Like, are we going to like a bunch of like matchlock lawsuits? Like, how could you have an open flame? That's not safe. Like, <laughs> yeah, that would, that's a really good, it'd be like Winchester catching a lawsuit for like the Widowmaker, like the Model 11 shotgun or whatever, you know, where I'm sure they did. Well, now it's not technically like, them. Could so. I just um could I just say that I think it's really weird that you keep saying caught a lawsuit? Okay. I don't know why. It's just like, I don't... like oh, I hate when I catch a cold, like no, caught no. a lawsuit. I mean, maybe that's the right wording. It's just like you said it, it exactly just... that way several okay. times. And I've thought in my head I'm gonna make fun of you at some point for it. And here I am. And now's the time. Now, yeah, you got away with it enough times that I couldn't let it, you know, it's like when someone like they say like, oh, I caught feelings. I think that's really weird, too, when people say that. So I think I'm using it in a similar vein. Maybe yeah, I say you caught, caught a lawsuit. Although what's the alternative, right? Like um, sued. Have they been sued? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going with my way. They call it caught a lawsuit. <laughs> you heard it At the thrift first. shop, they caught one. Yeah, that's where they, yeah. The, the people who inadvertently buy an old model would definitely say caught a lawsuit. They probably seemed it. They seemed it somewhere. So, uh, cold type single actions. That's what we know about their safety and usage. And that's all I have to say about that. And that's all we got about that. Um, <laughs> I don't have any last thoughts because I don't know cold single actions well enough to like i open. you know i was just like literally like i don't have anything else to say but i guess you know the the interesting thing that i already pointed out but i'll use it as a conclusion as well is just the fact that like you just because someone makes something new doesn't mean necessarily it really is an advancement i know i said earlier it was but that was just poor choice of words you know because people choose to have the old thing you know so right. just because things change does it mean that it's something that people prefer and a lot of traditionalist cowboy action shooters don't don't want that new fangled new model right they have a, they have their reason to choose the old model and feel that it's a better trigger or better whatever and it's they still, caught feelings for that old model they caught they caught an old model and they caught feelings they got it in the air <laughs> just, they're just flying around that's that's the safety problem is <laughs> that, yeah, that's, the, metal the, flying yeah, the, that's the whatever danny that's, that's the whatever that's just flying that. through the air <laughs> all right i think now that we've gone full circle now we can end the episode <laughs> i agree with you so we hope you like this episode um i feel like we stayed mostly on topic which i'm very proud of us for and uh we'll talk i don't know if that's week. better or worse I literally was like finishing and saying goodbye to people when you just interrupted me. Oh my gosh, we're going back to old school, like old season, Danny, where I would try to wrap the episode up and you would add something as I was saying goodbye. So I will say goodbye. And I do have one more thing. If you want to see the entire article and read Ashley's very detailed description of Colt single action safeties, you can subscribe to RMAX and it's available in volume seven, number one at rmaxjournal.org. Bye. Talk to you guys next week.